it was the fire that I needed to try the different things to figure out what was the right thing, right? But at the same time, survival mode never gets anybody to success because you're grasping for air through a straw and it just takes forever. This is the Millennials Almanac, a blueprint for financial, emotional, and geographic liberation. My name is Scott Somerville, and like many millennials, I found myself in a rut. Over the last 10 years, I figured out how to get out of that rut, achieve financial independence, take control over my emotional responses, and get unstuck from the environments that were preventing me from actualizing these things earlier. Join me in season one as we discover the secrets that will enable you to stop digging yourself into the hole and also build the ladder to get you out of it. As our journey progresses, we will be joined by fellow travelers who have not only done the same, but have also come to the important question, what's next? Welcome back, my friends. Does this sound familiar? I've tried everything. I work three jobs and I'm trying to start a business. My time just seems to be eaten up and there's no money being added to my bank account. Or how about this? I'm a survivor. I can do this myself. I know how to fix this. I don't need anyone else's help. Do you help everyone around you at the expense of your own health and mental well-being? Or what about achieving that perfect job that your parents told you that you should get and would lead you to happiness, but you've gotten there and you've found that that happiness never came? Not only does my guest today help people with this in her professional capacity, she joins us today to share her experiences overcoming the same problems. Today's interview is with another friend of mine who has actually been there for the entirety of my journey. We talk about several catalytic events that she was actually there to witness. I've known Jatia for about a decade now, and we worked in the retail environment together. She was always sort of a guiding light, someone who would inspire me. And as I decided to start this new venture, she's been here the entire process. She's always been motivating me to get the thing done, just start doing the work. What I really enjoy about Jatia is that she has this positive energy about her, but is always also extremely realistic with me. Stick around to the end so you can get the links to where to find Jatia. Definitely go interact with her. The audio in this interview, the way that it ended up recording, unfortunately it didn't allow me to equalize it like we have in the previous episodes. So my apologies about some of the highs and lows, but I hope you still enjoy the interview here. with Jatia Jones today. Uh, She is a clarity coach with Jatia Jones Consulting. She is interested in helping business owners do what they need to do so that they can do what they want to do. How are you today, my friend? I am great. How are you? Oh, you know, same old, same old, but I am happy to be here and to help others in any way that I can. Oh, and I'm, I was going to say, I just said that you were going to be my biggest cheerleader in your intro too. So Jatia has been the biggest cheerleader for this process in all of my ventures. Uh, we work together at Microsoft, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, what, eight or nine years ago? Easy. Almost Crazy. 10. I think that was like 2012, maybe. Crazy. I, I think you're right. Right after or right before my motorcycle accident. I think you knew me when that happened, right? Yes, I did. Wow. Trying okay. to give me more gray hair. 
<laughs> that so that was 2012 when that happened so yeah nine years ago we were working in retail together mm -hmm. and at that point you were doing a whole bunch of stuff at the same time too right definitely like that's the story of my life <laughs> but yes i was had the nine to five um i probably had two side gigs by that time if not more plus working with you at microsoft so yeah Insane. a lot was going on yeah and you were you were working in the weeds with us there too so while you were doing the retail life and those giant launches of products you were still working your nine to five and had two side gigs I was trying to escape the nine to five. Like I always told people it was like, I'm trying to escape Alcatraz with a plastic spoon. And I was trying to dig out like everything was my escape plan. Did, did you find that that headspace was detrimental to actually escaping or was it necessary? That's a really good question. It was a little bit of both because it was the fire that I needed to try the different things to figure out what was the right thing, right? But at the same time, survival mode never gets anybody to success because you're grasping for air through a straw and it just takes forever. And so it got to a point where I really did have to like stop the DIY phase and be like, okay, let's really invest in yourself for real for real to figure out a real plan, not because this plastic spoon's not working. Right, you had to, you had to get an e-tool or a, uh, a shovel basically instead of the spoon. More like some TNT, like let's blow it up <laughs> Even better. get this thing over with. And you kind of hinted on something here, but I went through the same process, but did you, did you realize that you just couldn't do everything yourself and you had to kind of ask for help or start mm -hmm. seeking those? Yeah. Definitely. Which was, you know, a learning phase for me too, because I'm the helper. And so it was very humbling when I did ask for help and the over response of those willing to do so. But also the Capricorn in me is like, I can do it right myself the first time. So you might as well just save time and do it yourself. So yeah, it was a hard lesson to learn, but asking for help was the best thing I could have ever done. Yeah. It's you, you can't do everything yourself and someone else could be better at it than you. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. almost vanity to try and do everything yourself, in my opinion. And you, reap, you reap the punishment of that vanity too, which is <laughs> struggling. And I, it's a good um, way to it. it was, it's crazy. One of the, one of those like major lessons that I learned along the way, and this is back when I was working like for, you know, 300 bucks a month or something when I first started this business, I had to realize that I was being vain. So at that time I was like doing a ton of free work. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was in this long distance relationship. Right. And I was, I was working for free for like a ton of people because I was so new and I didn't really feel comfortable taking money uh, and just a whole bunch of reasons, you know, it's almost mm -hmm. excuses, right? And I had to go, well, I can't go see my girlfriend because I'm spending my time working for free. That vanity of wanting to be Mother Teresa to everyone prevented me from going up and seeing my girlfriend. And and then when I realized that that was one of the true definitions of vanity, that was like this this light bulb going off, if you will. Those are those lessons learned that we have to unlearn, right? Like feeling bad because we're taking money or asking for a premium price when you can't feed if you're not fed. You can't do what you want to do if you don't make the bread and butter. And so for that to be the way you unlearn that learned lesson is a really good one. Of course, it took the relationship ending to learn it. But, you know, that's that's how it goes, right? 
Right, right. Part um, of that journey. <laughs> it's kind of like putting your oxygen mask on before you help others. You've got to, mm-hmm. you have to put that oxygen mask on. Exactly. You mentioned something about um, survival versus thriving that to me is also like paramount to what I'm doing here and what you absolutely do in your business. And that's that survival isn't the goal. Right. Thriving is the goal. Mm-hmm. If you set survival as your, as your end goal, then you're going to go for like the lowest common denominator or the lowest barrier of entry for for your venture instead of reaching for the stars or whatever you whatever cliche uh way you want to put it right but if you if you set survival as that metric then you can live in a box and survive you know factual statement you know that thing goes back to you don't know what you don't know and when you've normalized surviving you tend to judge those who thrive right and so it was the craziest thing i heard on a podcast and they totally changed my perspective of Robin Hood. So in survival mode, I'm like, yeah, he's taking from the rich and giving to the poor because they da-da-da-da-da-da. And then I started working my butt off for my business so that I can thrive. And I was like, hmm. Well, in this podcast, they're like, what if someone took from you to give to someone else who has the exact same, which in Robin Hood, they didn't have the same circumstances, but has the same circumstances They just won't do what you will. And that hit home because I was like, I need sleep. I want to go on vacation, (laughs) you know? So, and for someone to want to take something that I worked so hard for to give to someone else who could do, just won't do, i.e. put your pride aside and ask for help or your ego aside and ask the question that you feel stupid asking so you can actually get the help you need, like that really registered and hit home. Um, So yeah, surviving causes so much uh, continuous negative behavior or detrimental behavior. Like you just keep doing the same things over and over again that cause you to end up in the same spot on the hamster wheel instead of going higher on the ladder. There's this other permeating sort of concept with millennials that their circumstances are the product of external factors entirely. You know, luck is obviously a factor in all of this. We're playing poker and not chess, but you still have the ability to make a choice, in my opinion, about about things that are happening around you. So the events happening to you may be random, but how you respond to them is a choice. Totally. Part of my like education background is behavioral health. And so a lot of times I just take the whole health piece out and I just look at like the behavior. And it's so interesting to me to watch because it's literally like watching a train wreck because you want to say that it's everybody else. And I have this one person in mind and literally like you have no real relationships, no friendships, no workships, like no type of relationship. And you're still over 50 saying it's everybody else and everything else and not you. And so it's just crazy to me that you can look yourself in the mirror every day and not want to do something different at some point. I agree that it's crazy, but like I think back to, I mean, you may have even had the same perspective as that person. I definitely did. Oh, at one point, yeah, you know, but again, it's that how long do you want to stay in this or how long? So for me, it was like, okay, let me go seek help. I went in, I went to therapy. I self-analyze all the time. So it's like, I know this is my problem. This is my problem. This is my problem. How to fix me? Help me fix me, right? Because it got to that point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like I can't say I don't understand because, again, things are normalized and you see these same behaviors in generations in your family. So you think this is normal or this is how life should be. For me, 
it was at a point where I was like, I desire more in said area of life because it's different for everybody. How do I fix it? Right. If you keep doing the same thing, it's never going to change. It's literally right. never going to change. Again, I I feel like I have a little bit of wisdom to offer here on that, that relationship I was bringing up earlier. When that relationship ended, at first I was outwardly blaming for that situation. You know, I was like, how dare this person leave me? You know, I'm Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. She's going to leave me when I'm just helping everyone. What's wrong with her? And then I really went through this sort of dark period and again, maybe Maybe this is where like luck or individual to individual comes into play. But I decided to my my dad, I, you know, he may listen to this episode and I'll be like, don't listen to this one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's been through several relationships since I've been alive. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did was call my mother and I was like, why did you divorce my dad? You know, mm-hmm. why did that relationship end? And she told me a bunch of things that sounded exactly like what I was doing with, uh, with Samantha was this girl's name. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I learned all of this from my dad. I literally learned all of this. I learned the emotional outbursts. I learned the blaming of others. I learned almost this, like this Mother Teresa syndrome, like this, oh, well, I'm, I'm poor, but I'm helping people. So that makes me a good person. So then the next thing I got off the phone with my mom and I called my former stepmom and I was like, why'd you divorce my dad? <laughs> so, and they both gave me the same reasons. I was just like, okay, this is obviously me. And really that was sort of the beginning. I was 28 years old mm-hmm. and that was sort of the beginning of the spiral of, oh my God, I've been doing this my whole life. Like all these people, including you, when we worked at Microsoft, you know, like I was just this very selfish, uh, misanthropic almost person that, that literally blamed everyone for my problems and in the, the moment I remember like a like a freight train hitting me I was reading this book called the seven habits of highly effective people he was basically like until you realize that your choices you made yesterday affect who you are today like you're never nothing's ever gonna change and mm-hmm. once you realize that you did have a a choice or a say in that situation, you can then say, I choose otherwise. And it was just like this train, just like a bus hitting me, you know? Anyway, I don't want to ramble too much about myself, but it's just that, that story instantly, I was reminded of it when you were talking about seeking therapy. One, life experiences are hopefully, you know, others can have the lessons learned from others so they don't have to bump their heads. So I encourage you to share things that you've gone through life and learn from. But at the same time, I really want you to like look at that as a win and pat yourself on the back for being reflective enough and intuitive enough to go and ask those individuals right it was an awkward conversation for sure too you know oh and not my dad yes ma'am yeah but no i can understand it being awkward but all of that together magnifies the type of person that you really are internally you really are reflective so even though yes mother Teresa, but it was coming from initially a good space right but that learned behavior was the negative result. You also wanted to do better for yourself. And I think that's the major difference between this rise we see with narcissists and people who have just learned said behavior is that the narcissist doesn't want to do that internal reflection to do better. They actually thrive off of that cesspool that they reside in. And when you have learned behavior, you innately want to do better. And so you sought out how to get help, you know? 
the dogs are what taught me it. They, some of them, yeah, are aggressive genetically, but majority of them have just learned a, a way to win, if that makes sense. You were talking about um, your journey, your process of going from digging with the spoon. How did that whole process happen for you? What were sort of the major, let's say, mental hurdles you had to overcome to to get past the, the plastic spoon mentality? Gotcha. So um, I basically call my process that I teach now to the ABCs to clarity. So acceptance, believing, and then connecting the dots and connecting with people. But first, I had to accept that my normal was negative and not in the essence of like me being negative because you know I'm happy-go-lucky majority of the time my learned behavior was negative and detrimental to me and I had to accept that first um, and accept that I could change that accept that those individuals in my life that I learned it from were human they learned it from somewhere they just didn't or didn't choose to do anything to fix it and that they were not going to support me in course correcting and breaking those negative generational cycles, right? And I'm talking parents. So that's always the hardest piece for young adults, unless they've always had like a tumultuous relationship with their family, is to accept that this person is human. They're not like this pedestal God and, you know, they always don't per se have your best interest at heart, but they love out of fear. And so they give you advice that is detrimental and mainly because they're loving out of fear so to speak and so that acceptance phase for me was really hard I then turned to like podcasts and audiobooks and did a lot of unlearning and relearning and then started to actually believe that I could escape Alcatraz with the spoon the plastic spoon at that so that's where you know answering your question earlier it was a catch-22 and it lit that fire for me to keep going and then I started connecting the dots from the past present in the future that I really wanted for myself and believing that I could have that future and then connecting with those people who may not be in my area code or my zip code um, who are like-minded and like-hearted to help me on this journey and figure out those things that I didn't know I didn't know you know you have to seek out opinions that work right can't just keep baking the cake the wrong way you said something that um that I'm really curious to hear you elaborate on, which was loving out of fear. What do you mean by that? This is one thing that a lot of millennials are dealing with now are those parents that are like, you need to get that job. In my time frame, it was the get the good government job. And I'm doing air quotes, right? It's great stability. (laughs) It has pension. Nobody gives a pension anymore. Everything is pretty much done to protect your kids, Mm. so to speak, or protect yourself, right? And so that fear that I can't protect you because you're an adult now. That fear that you won't be able to protect yourself because you won't have that good government job that, you know, you get furloughed and they're like, you know, you still got to come to work and we don't know when you're going to get a paycheck type of mess. They don't realize that that's not security. And that a lot of times for those of us who have that entrepreneurial spirit, we have the control to actually create more security for ourselves by not getting the good government job. But because they're afraid that if you don't, you won't survive or they won't be able to protect you or you won't be able to protect yourself. They, out of fear, push you in that direction, which a lot of times parents push you in the direction if you go to college or to go to college or a major that's going to make all the money. I changed my major so many times in college because I went for the major that had the money. Totally missed or missing the fact that, Jatia, you made so much um, improvement and better grades in the school of business, which was my minor, but I'm here trying to be an engineer, a computer science engineer at that. 
Like, that's not how my brain works, right? But I was chasing the dollar to make the parents proud because that's what they know makes money. Because again, they don't know what they don't know. So they didn't know of the non-traditional jobs that bring in residual income and you can work smarter and not harder. And so, yeah, that that's the loving out of fear where it is it is love because you know, hopefully they love you, but it's pushing you in a direction that's detrimental to you actually thriving based out of their own fears. Again, I say the clarity is in the doing, so do, right? So I would encourage you to get the job but not get stuck. When I first started like my quote unquote career, I was bouncing around from job to job every year and a half to two years. So that's one of the good things I do think millennials do is they're like, I go, I learn, I give what I have to give and I'm out. Learn what you need to learn. Give your all. Well, not your all, but you know, perform at a level of excellence, right? Right. Make it mutually beneficial or a win-win because you never want to give more than you're getting to a certain extent. People will take advantage of that. But yeah, bounce around, try things and see what you love, what you don't like. Because one of the biggest lessons learned is to know what you do not like, what you do not want. Most of the time, you know, you're like, well, what type of job do you want? I want a job that's this, 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 and this, but we never mention a job that I don't want a job that's not flexible. I don't want a job that doesn't have a telework or remote work option. Learning those things that you don't want are almost more important than knowing those things that you do want in order to have that quote unquote work-life balance or perfect day. Right. It's kind of like dating in high school. (laughs) Exactly. So you can hopefully master it by the time you become an adult. (laughs) So the, and that leads me to another question: Is let's say you're you're transitioning out of that um, I have to work eighty hours a week mentality or whatever that looks like for you. Let's say some dude. This would happen all the time when I was working at Apple and Microsoft. Someone would come in and go, "Hey, I'm starting this business, or I'll hire you, or you know, I want you to come in and maybe like do a little bit of free work so I can see what your capability is." But the potential for a much higher wage or new learning was there. Do you do you think that there's an importance to just going with with that, not resisting the opportunities that like the universe is sending your way and Maybe taking on a job where you either take a little bit lower money or, again, there's delayed gratification involved. I would rephrase that to say pay attention to the ROI, not potential, because potential may never come, right? But what are those mutually beneficial things that are placed on the table outside of pay? Is it something that I'm going to get public notoriety? So other, it's like an announcement or resume to the world that I'm doing such a great job is... Like, how am I going to be highlighted? How does this benefit me if the pay isn't there? Not just because it's an opportunity, because I think that's also a lesson that many of us learn a little bit too late is that all money isn't good money and all opportunities aren't good opportunities. And they could be that shiny object syndrome and a distraction more than it is really an opportunity. And so I know you mentioned earlier whether or not I'm a religious or believer, right? I am. And so I really feel that some Some things are God sent and some things are also the devil to distract you because when you're walking in purpose and doing that thing that you're put on earth to do, it makes the world a better place in some shape, form or fashion. If the devil can come in and distract you and push you somewhere else so that you can't be great and so that you can't help others, that's his mission in life. And so for us to take some of these opportunities at times, they're a distraction from us being great and doing what we're supposed to do and helping those people that we're supposed to help. 
and get paid for that. Beautifully put. It's to go back to the working for free and not seeing my girlfriend. Again, it's, a, it's vanity, which we know is one of the bad things. Yeah, that's why I love that you put it that way. I've never thought about it, but it's a great, great analogy. I want to give you the opportunity to really talk about your consulting business, you know, drop the LinkedIn links where everywhere people can find you here to further get that good wisdom from you. Where can they find you at? Definitely. So I'm always on Instagram and TikTok, <laughs> but mostly on Instagram, um, at Jatia Jones, Facebook at Jatia Jones Consulting, LinkedIn, Jatia Jones, website, jatiajones.com. So pretty much anywhere, Jatia Jones, you can find me. Please come and play with me. DM me. I respond. Ask questions. I'm here to help. I really do live by help me help you help us. My business prayer is to be a rippling effect of healing and prosperity so that you can go and do the same for your clients. And together we can create a wave of impact and income. So help me help you help us do that. enjoyed this episode please head on over to apple podcasts and leave us a review click the stars tell us what you think you can also find us on the millennialsalmanac.com as well as a facebook group where we're going to start interacting with our listeners if you had questions if you'd like to hear topics discussed on the show please let us know in these venues i hope this week treats you well and i look forward to interacting with you